Hey, greetings everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. So uh, here's the uh, Allen West version, Watchtower Firearms, a BDRX. You can see it has the Steadfast and Loyal podcast logo on it. And on this side, you've got, you know, my actual digitized signature and my Army Master Parachutist wings. And, of course, you got to have the American flag. And, again, I mean, this is such an incredibly light weapon. I mean, I just just can't believe it. And I like the skeletized design. And this flash suppressor here is unique. Uh, they make it here at Watchtower and it actually reduces the rise of the weapon when you fire it. So I'm just looking forward and Magpul hard sights and I think I'll keep hard sights on this, but uh, I'm looking forward to taking it out here and shooting it and uh, zeroing it in. And I love the skeletized uh, hand grip here and of course you got the extendable you know butt stop but and I, and I prefer this uh forward hand grip you know more than anything else I, I really i really like this so here it is you know right up there next with rob o'neill it's hard to believe that but that's why america is such a great country where a kid born in the inner city of atlanta georgia can have an ar-15 design by him and with his signature on it, limited edition. So check out their website, watchtowerfirearms.com. And if you want, you can purchase one of these. Hey folks, welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. And those of you know, I live in Garland, Texas. And one of the things that you would have never thought about Garland, Texas, is kind of like the cowboy hat, basically the you know, hat capital of the world in, in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I had the great opportunity of meeting a fantastic fellow by the name of Scott Starnes. Scott is the executive vice president at Dorfman Milano in Garland, Texas, maybe five minutes from my house. And I just thought that in this Christmas holiday season, it would be a great opportunity to talk to him about what could be a nice gift for mommy or daddy or grandpa or grandma coming up. Doesn't have to be in this season. It can be any time of the year. Scott embarked on his professional journey after earning a degree in economics from the University of Maryland. His dedication and outstanding performance were quickly recognized, earning him Salesman of the Year honors five times. He was promoted to the position of Vice President of Sales at HATCO, and following his distinguished career at HATCO, he began a new chapter of professional success at Dorfman Milano. He was handpicked to lead the Western Headwear Brands Division of the company 
which, as I said, is headquartered in Garland, Texas. Scott has a 20-year tenure at Dorfman Milano, and he continues to exemplify his commitment to excellence. And when you talk about a commitment to excellence, we're talking about the production and distribution of some iconic hat brands like Larry Mahan, Justin, and Biltmore. And I happen to own a very nice Larry Mahan hat that I got from Dorfman Milano. And his dedication to the artistry and craftsmanship of hat making. I had the opportunity to visit them on the floor there. But right now I want to say Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast, Scott. Hey, Colonel, thanks for having me. That was uh, quite an introduction. I'm, 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 I'm humbled by it. Oh, and, you uh, earned it. <laughs> you absolutely earned it. And, uh, and we see some of that nice product you know, sitting there right behind you. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we, have, uh, we have quite a few hats in here. I'm most comfortable when I'm around, around the hats, considering it's the only thing I've done since graduating from college. Well, let's uh, talk so, about that. You know, how yeah. was it that you got, I mean, you're up in the University of Maryland getting a degree in economics. What got you interested in the hat industry? That's a great question. I'm going to try to give you a short answer. <laughs> um, it's not going to start off sounding like a short answer, but the reality is my, my older brother went to Princeton University, played mm -hmm. football, baseball there. Okay. He fell in love with a young lady who was on the softball team there, whose father happened to be in the baseball cap business in Richmond, Virginia, had a uh -huh. factory down there. He was making caps for little league teams and, and so forth and got the bright idea to approach Pete Rosell, who was then the NFL mm -hmm. commissioner and uh, worked a deal with the NFL to get a licensing agreement with them to put football team logos on baseball caps. And he was the very first NFL license in headwear. He parlayed that into being a captain of the headwear industry. He then went on to acquire what is now Hatco down here in Garland. He merged Stetson Hat Company from Missouri to uh, in with Resistall and created that mm -hmm. Hatco company. And saw enough in this uh, kid up at University of Maryland uh, to give him a traveling uh, hat salesman's territory in the Carolinas. And uh, he asked me a great question. He said, hey, sport, he called me sport. He said, uh, sport, uh, what are you going to do with that economics degree once you get out of here? I didn't have a good answer for him. And he said, I'm going to give you a better education. It's on the road. <laughs> so uh, I have my brother to thank for that. Uh, and then Mr. Irving Joel, who's an icon in this industry. And if you uh, talk to people who've been in the hat business for, um, for many, many years, everyone knows the name Irving Joel, who was really a pioneer um, and gave me my start and yeah. uh, the rest is history. So. Now, how is it that... Garland, Texas. I mean, you know, people see all the warehouses there and, you know, all of the major truck distribution uh, centers there in, in our home city. How is it that Garland, Texas became the center of, you know, the hat capital, the cowboy hat capital really of the world? You, you explained that to me once. Yeah. So uh, centrally located, um, which is ideal for shipping West Coast, East Coast was probably the original idea that uh, Mr. Byer and Mr. Rolnick back in 1927 had when they founded uh, what was then called Byer Rolnick. Today it's known as Hatco, which is our neighbors right up the street here mm -hmm. who gave me my start. Um, they uh, blended a lot of uh, companies together that were originally from Connecticut, which at the time was the hat capital of the world. Now, not Western hats, but dress hats. Mm -hmm. And of course, Western hats originated from John B. Stetson, who migrated from Philadelphia to St. Joe, Missouri for health reasons. 
And that's really where the cowboy hat uh, capital started was uh, in St. Joe, Missouri, thanks to Mr. Mr. Stetson back in 1865. And so um, when Mr. Joel merged Bayer Rolnick with Stetson and created Hatco, that really became the epicenter of, of, of Garland, Texas, uh, the hat capital of the world being in Garland, Texas. And so uh, Mr. John Milano, Dorfman Milano, we'll get mm -hmm. to that, uh, immigrated from Italy back after World War II, didn't speak the language, a true rags to riches story, mm. um, was given a presidential uh, Alger Hiss Award for, um, excuse me, Arias here, Alger, get it right, yeah. uh, award for uh, immigrating to the United States, legally, I might add, and not knowing the language, started out selling hats, much like I did on the road, and became president of Resist All Hat Company right here in Garland, Texas. Levi Strauss then bought uh, Hatco, Resist All, whisked away Mr. Milano, who then started his own hat company called the Milano Hat Company here in Garland, two miles from Hatco. And so that's why they're here. Those are the big those are the big players at the time and still are today. And so other hat companies decided, well, uh, Garland must be the spot because these are two very successful headwear companies. And so yeah. other companies now have come and moved their businesses here to to Garland, Texas. And uh, there you go. You live in the hat capital world. We'll say we'll say cowboy hat capital. That's not disputed. But I I say hat capital of the world. There's there no there's no there's no other place on the planet that has so many centrally located headwear manufacturers. There's not a thing you and I are wearing right now that was probably made in this country. And so the best hats in the world are made in the United States. And, uh, you know, right here in Garland, Texas. Now, I can't get the, I can't get the mayor of Garland to uh, put that on the city limit signs or <laughs> oh, change the wel welcome. I've met with him several times and uh, I said, you know, you should be known for something. I mean, we've got Motown. We've got Nashville's Music City. I mean, Wisconsin's got cheese. Detroit's Motor City. I mean, you know, let's other than just be a bunch of buildings all in a row. Yeah. Uh, let's be known for something and proclaim ourselves the uh, hat capital of the world. But uh, we're working on that. Well, good. And anything that I can do. Hey, Mr. Mayor, you can uh, be expecting a phone call from the old colonel, too. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the intricacies, because you explain some incredible things to me, because I remember someone seeing a hat of mine and I explained to them the, the number of X's that are there in a hat. Talk to us about how you rate a hat and the material that goes into the hats and, and how you get those X's. What does that mean? That is a very good question. And you'd be surprised how many people who actually work in stores that sell that product also don't know the answer to that question. Wow. And it, it, the X's uh, were started by the uh, Stetson Hat Company. Uh, many, many years ago. And, and all it was was a relative quality marking inside their product alone. There's no industry or even government standard for what those X's mean. And so in the simplest way that I can explain it, a 6X quality fur felt hat has better fur in it, better higher quality fur, more rare fur than say one that has four X's in it. And so the six higher the X's, the better quality the fur is. And that's that's really all it is. And the other thing is, is that people make the mistake of thinking there is a standard for that. And so a Larry Mahan 6X quality hat may be five times nicer than, say, another company's 100X hat. Mm -hmm. They could Today, I could invent a million X hat, Colonel, and put it out there on the market. It just <laughs> doesn't really mean anything other than the higher the X within that brand, 
the better quality fur that's in the hat. What is the highest X-rated hat that you have for uh, Larry Mahan or Justin? So Larry Mahan, that is our premium brand here. Yeah. We have a one thousand, a legit one thousand X hat, uh, and uh, that is one hundred percent beaver fur. Now, the reason why we we, we use fur is that uh, there's a lot of fur in Europe as a part of the diet over there. Is why we here in the United States have a lot of leather for boots, mm -hmm. shoes, handbags, and belts. We eat a lot of beef cattle, and so the fur comes from from Europe. And in the 1000X hat, it is pure beaver fur, which cannot be farmed raised for, for food. They're still trapped in the wild. And so it's considered, widely considered, the finest fur that you can make a hat of because of its durability, its ability to hold up to weather. Beavers live in the water. Yeah. Um, and so it's, uh, it's got a couple of other exotic furs in it as well, but it's a 1000X hat that would retail for about uh, $4,000 in the store. And you know, we, by the way, interesting fact, yeah. we can't make enough of them to keep up with the, with the number of people that want one. And so we turn a lot of folks away. We can only make so many a year wow. and uh, amazing. Yeah. Now, I was recently down in uh, Ponte Vedra, Florida, just south of Jacksonville, and they had a veterans charity uh, gala, and, and I was the MC for it, and they wanted to have a Western theme. So, of course, I show up with my nice Larry Mahan black uh, hat that you made for me there. Uh, and it was so funny because there was a gentleman at the event that had a straw hat on. And I had to pull him to the side and say, hey, man, you know, it's December. You're not supposed to, <laughs> you know, be walking around with a straw hat. Tell us some of the little tidbits out there, because a lot of people don't understand there's a season for wearing the fur hats as opposed to the straw hats. And then do you have the same type of X rating for the, uh, the, the straw hats as well? I'll answer the uh, second question first. Yes, there are similar X uh, markings in straw hats. And... Um, Again, the same rules apply. And so a 20X straw, and, and with straw, it's not necessarily the quality of the raw material that's in the hat. With straw hats, it is determined by the width of the straw. Each individual straw hat is woven by hand, one piece of straw in and out of the other. And the thinner that straw gets, the longer it takes to hand weave. Hmm. And so it's a relative uh, function of the amount of labor that went into weaving one hat body. And so thicker Straw pieces take less time, cost less, lower X quality marking. Thinner pieces of straw take much longer. There are some straw hats that can take up to a month to weave by hand because the, the fiber is so thin uh, that when it's fully woven and tightly woven, it almost looks like one, uh, one piece of material versus a thousand individual pieces of straw. And so that's the answer there. Back to your question about timing. Yes, it's like wearing, you know, white shoes in December. You just I mean, <laughs> don't do that and the lines are kind of blurred now with yellowstone and and the impact that that's had on what we'll call uh new customers into into cowboy hats who don't yeah. really abide, abide by the traditions of, of, of head wearing and so you take that straw off around labor day and put that felt hat on and likewise around easter it used to be uh it used to be may 1st was the traditional straw hat day but you're you live in texas like i do and if you wait all the way to may and you got that black felt hat on. You swear uh, it could be tough. So yeah. we we tend to say uh, Easter would be uh, would be the appropriate time to switch yeah. over to the straw hat. Yeah. Now you just brought up a point where 
talking about supply and demand, which, you know, being having a degree in economics, you understand. What are the challenges that you're seeing right now in the hat industry? Like you said, you've got people that are, you know, trying to get your, your product. And, you know, I can just imagine the popularity of Yellowstone and some of these other programs out there, what it's meaning for the, the, the hat industry. What are the challenges that you're seeing right now in this economic environment? Yeah, so um, I think unlike other businesses, we have really benefited from the popularity of television shows like uh, Yellowstone 1923 and you know whatever else uh, you know Sheridan has coming down in, in, in the pipeline. And so um, so right now we are in a spike in this business. And if you've been in the Western hat business long enough, you'll, you'll know that, you know, there was urban cowboy yeah. uh, and, and, and then there was Garth Brooks and then, you know, and then there was, you know, nine 11 and everybody became, you know, a very jingoistic and, and, and Western and Toby Keith. And, you know, he was going to put a boot in your ass, but he's wearing a hat on his head, you know, all of these things. And so it, it really is somewhat cyclical. And so here we are in another, you know, we're in another peak pattern here in terms of Western headwear. And what will happen, Colonel, is uh, once that doctor, insurance salesman, uh, you know, attorney, school teacher who bought his one cowboy hat or her one cowboy hat, you know, that dude isn't going out and getting another one anytime soon. And so he's done. And so it's been very difficult because the raw material is the same, whether it's a, somebody who's into that Western lifestyle or a, somebody buying their first hat. Mm-hmm. There's only so much of the raw material, the hand weaving of the straw hats, uh, you know, the uh, the production of, of fur in Europe or wool from South America. It, it is a finite number of people that are turning this raw material into hat bodies that we use to sell. And, and so it's really put pressure on us because while we should be having record sales and our sales are very good right now, I, I you know, as a salesperson and an economist, I think of what you know, the opportunity could have been, could we meet the demand? And so with the, you know, inflation just affecting uh, every aspect of our business, you know, raw materials, utilities, labor, equipment, you know, finance charges, um, you know, the only way to cover these costs is massive cost increase for us. We're a small business, you know, we're self-capitalists. Yeah. You know, we, unfortunately, we have to pass those costs along. And so what, what happens? Our retailers have to do the same thing. And so, uh, folks are out there now faced with a decision. Do I, you know, this hat was $200 last week and now it's $275. And they're, they're either paying that, or in most cases they're, they're not paying it. And, and, you know, in times like this, you know, as a business, any business, you know, you have to make decisions. You have to cut costs if sales are going to decline and they are, de- they are starting to level off and will probably decrease as we go into 2024. And so for us, you know, uh, the other option is, uh, you, you know, you're cutting costs where you can, or you're looking for new suppliers, which slows down the supply chain, or unfortunately, you're faced with uh, reducing the workforce. Yeah. For us, we have very skilled labor. You know, we don't just put a sign out front and somebody comes in and starts making a, a cowboy hat that same day. And so uh, we have to be very competitively priced when it comes to paying our people. Uh, but I know there's lots of layoffs going on. I, I would say here, most a lot of companies are now um, implementing uh, layoffs as a, as a strategy for cutting costs. I, I know in the tech sector, there's been probably a quarter billion people laid off in the last you know six months. And so we really don't have that luxury. So we have to pass these costs along. And I would just say this to answer your question, Colonel, I think it's going to really seriously impact our ability to be um, 
to equalize the sales of the past two years uh, going forward, unless something happens in terms of interest rates, you know, again, yeah. we capitalize ourselves and when cash flow doesn't allow it, we have a credit card just like every American consumer does. And mm-hmm. we're putting a lot of that, uh, you know, we have to finance the business that way. And when we were paying two and 3% interest on, you know, raw material products, mm-hmm. machinery, people, even utilities, and now we're paying seven and 8%, we're paying millions more in finance charges to keep this business going. And so, you know, that's why people are paying more, Alan. I mean, you know, you, you know, these costs are being, a business has a certain margin that it has to hit, right? In order yes. to keep it open. We employ 200 people here working in the United States, making stuff with their two hands. And we want to keep doing that. But Unfortunately, the end consumer is going to uh, pay the price, and that's that's what's happening out there. So. Yeah, the, the gr- did. The, <laughs> no, no, but but it's a yeah. good thing to to talk to people about because we all want made in America, but when you have economic policies that are preventing made in America, because you know who wants to have a cowboy hat that says made in China or made in in wherever? I mean, there's an authenticity to to what you're doing. And I think it's so important that when folks hear about, okay, this guy named Jerome Powell, that seems that he is eons away from you, but his decisions are affecting you in such a way that here in Garland, Texas, when you go to the boot barn or somewhere and you're looking at buying this hat and you just say it, it was $200, now it's $275. Why is it? Well, because the guy by the name of Jerome Powell is raising uh, these interest rates on people that can go out and borrow. Uh, and so, therefore, those costs get passed on. So it really is a good everyday economics lesson for people to realize how these, quote-unquote, faraway people are making these decisions that do impact them right in their backyard, and our backyard is the hat capital of the world, Garland, Texas. Absolutely well said. And, you know, the wealthiest people in this country, they don't, it doesn't affect them nearly as much as our core consumer does, who's an average Joe. Some of them are live in rural areas. Some of them, uh, you know, um, have, you know, jobs that they're not making, you know, $100,000 a year, but as part of their lifestyle, they want to wear. They have to wear a Western hat, and and so when we talk like this about the very consumer for the Western hat, um, I don't think these guys think about stuff like that because it really doesn't affect them, uh, you know, much. And and so average Americans are really taking on the chin out here. Yeah. And um, you know, you can play with the facts and play with the numbers. You can even lie about what's going on out here, but we see it now every single day. What are your what are your most popular brands um, or style of hat out there that you're seeing right now? So I would say uh, it is still the traditional Western hat. So if you're uh, watching Yellowstone and you see what John Dutton is wearing on his head, a.k.a. Kevin Costner, that is that's what's going on right now in terms of that. The brims, I will tell you, are getting wider. Really? Uh, yeah. So um, not 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 ridiculously wide, but, you know, traditionally it was a four inch brim on, uh-huh. on a wet hat. And now it's four and a half and in some cases uh, five inches. So wider is cooler. Uh, and, and so that's what we're seeing. Black is still the number one color okay. uh, out there. And for women, uh, it's it's really what was going on the last two years was sort of a tapered front with a extremely flat brim and that was 
women's Western fashion. And now we're starting to see women buy traditional Western hats as well. Um, you know, more like what you would think of a, a man wearing. Yeah. That's become fashionable for, for the ladies. And so, um, yeah, um, the old the old standard is, is still mm -hmm. what people want. Now, are people still purchasing a lot of the straw hats? Because, like you said, here in Texas and a lot of the, uh, the Southwest, you do have those hot months. Absolutely. We, uh, we probably sell as many straw hats as we do felt okay. hats. The thing about straw hats is because of the nature of how the, the, the hat bodies are woven, there's no machines that can, that can do it. Yeah. And it's, it's an art form and it's generational. And in these uh, places uh, in, in Asia or in uh, Central and South America that are, are doing that, the, the next generation does not want to learn how to weave straw hats. They want to put microchips into iPads. And so there's, there's, a, there's, there's becoming less and less of that sort of, of raw material. So I, I, maybe not in our lifetime, but um, at, at some point, um, you know, straw hats is going to, going to be, um, you know, a thing of the past. Wow. I, I do believe. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Unless somebody, you know, invests in a, a, a straw hat weaving uh, machine, but I don't think the ROI is going to be there for something like that. That's incredible. Now, my grandson will be, my oldest grandson will be turning three next May. Uh, what's the youngest age uh, for for purchasing a hat for kids? Uh, we, Our CEO, uh just had a baby who is a year old and she has a very sweet Larry Mahan hat. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> and she keeps it on. <laughs> hey, hang on just one second. Okay. Uh, you got a grandkid, right? Yeah. How about that? That is uh, the world's smallest uh, baseball cap with our oh, logo on the front right there. So I'll be doggone. We are creating future customers every day. Uh, Colonel, and so uh, we don't care how old they are. We do have a kids' collection of headwear, and uh, you know, I would say, all kidding aside, you know, four or five years old, we we can fit them up. Okay, because uh, interesting thing about children is, yeah, uh, at at birth, you know, the size of a head it doesn't it doesn't grow just tremendously after about year two or three. Uh, I think my son was born with a seven and five eighths head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a very smart he's a very smart young man that's what we say so um yeah so we start him early okay so we're we're going through this holiday season what would you say uh as far as people staying interested in the hat industry and coming by and seeing you there in garland yeah i, I would say that um if somebody would like to set up a, a tour or, or what have you and, and see how hats are made before COVID, we were doing that a lot. And then of course that, that shut everything down and we're slowly starting to uh, have visitors uh, back in. Uh, you were an exception, of course, just because yeah. you're a neighbor, of our, just because you're a neighbor of ours. And um, I, I would say that, um, yeah, just call the front desk and, and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm in town. And would it be OK if I, you know, come by and we'd set up a tour for something like that? Starting in 2024, I think we're going to get back to uh, uh, getting those uh, out there, you know, scheduled for people to come in and take a look at the factory and everything. Well, how can people follow you? How can people, you know, come and, and check you out? And can people actually come in and set up an appointment to, 
you know, get measured. Get, we're, yeah, we're really we're really trying to limit the uh, the personal visits. Yeah, but um, just because there's liability, you know, these attorneys. Oh, I know, I know, <laughs> I know that class of people that oh, you know, yeah. they got the big billboards for a reason. Yeah, you can learn all. Anybody can learn all about the company. It's real simple. It's DorfmanMilano.com is the website. And if you're interested in purchasing a hat, I would say there, there are three places. There, there's bootbarn.com. There is cavenders.com, another great spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also 10th Street Hats uh, on Amazon. And so those are the three places that I would I would send customers if they're looking for a yeah. gift. I better hurry up, though. Better hurry somebody up. Told me, somebody told me Christmas was less than a week away. I, got, uh, you know, I think so. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> You know what's so interesting to me, Scott, is that when you think of top-rated boots, you think Lucchese. And then when you think of top-rated hats, Milano. Boy, the, the Italians, man, they, they know how to do it. <laughs> they just know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's like it's like Tim Cook said, you know, CEO at Apple, he's like, figure out what you do good yeah. and say no to everything else. And that was Mr. Milano's philosophy. Make the best hat, forget everything else, and you will have customers for life. And that's the endearing spirit that, that we carry on to this day. And, uh, um, you know, we're very, we're very proud of the fact that we're still here and, and being good shepherds of uh, Mr. Milano's business. Well, God bless you. And uh, I will be coming to see you pretty soon about little Jackson Bernard getting his first cowboy hat. And I look forward to you sizing him up and fitting him. And I just thank you for who you are and what you're doing. And like you say, I'm honored to be a neighbor to Dorfman Milano there in the cowboy hat capital, the hat capital of the world, and that's Garland, Texas. God bless you and a Merry Christmas, Scott. God bless you too, Colonel. Thanks for having me. It was was an honor. And ladies and gentlemen, just want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to watch this podcast interview. If you enjoyed this interview with Scott Starnes there and Dorfman Milano, please click the like button and share it with others. And until next time, remain steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.